Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. The other interesting uh, quote from Montgomery about about the kids is I asked him about Fabian Lysel and just, you know, how does it look compared to the last time you saw him? And, and Montgomery prefaced it by saying, you know, it's hard day one to really f- like fully drill down on, on watching players and, and evaluating them because like Montgomery said, it's like, I'm just trying to make sure we have a smooth first practice and like, you know, everyone's doing what they need to do in drills. Um, and, but then he said, uh, he did notice a couple of defensive mistakes, which is on the one hand, it's like, oh, that's not good. Like if your coach, you know, mentions that first. Um, then he also mentioned he likes seeing him, his aggressiveness offensively, because Lysel did take some pucks right to the net and and used his speed to drive on defenders, which is exactly what you want to see and what he has to do. Um wasn't it you that asked the question. I think it was you that that the question of Montgomery was um ha- what have you noticed the difference between the last time you saw Lysel too yeah now? yeah yeah and that and that's what prefaced that an- that answer was yeah like you know some defensive mistakes but also good offensive instincts and aggressiveness and like Montgomery said they can fix the defensive mistakes um mm-hmm. which he's gonna have to you know you no matter who you are like in on the Bruins in Montgomery's system you have to at least be passable defensively. Not everyone has to be a Selkie Trophy candidate, right? David Pasternak is not. But for the most part, David Pasternak takes care of business in his own end and, you know, at least helps the team there. Like, isn't isn't a liability, um, even despite what some people might think. But generally, like, you know, we, we saw Jake DeBrusque had to improve his defensive play and has. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you've got to at least be able to hold your own and be where your teammates expect you to be and make the right play with the pucks. So yeah, price, you know, still some, some learning for Lysel to do there. Um, and I'm sure something they're going to want to see cleaned up quickly as you get into preseason games. And, you know, if he's going to make an actual push to potentially make this team, like you can't be making a ton of mistakes in your own zone, obviously. Yeah. And this is just day one and we're going to have a better look at it ourselves come preseason, um, come seeing it in a full 60-minute game. Uh, but if you were to use your own, you know, just describe it in your own way because you were there, um, I'm sure you had your eyes on Lysel 
a bit more than you probably had them on some of the other guys that are either further away or, you know, they're, they're here, but they might be the first cut. So um, in with your own eyes, what did you see from Lysel? If you were to describe. Well, de- definitely the second. So I can't sit here and say, like, I noticed obvious defensive mistakes. Those are again, probably details that the coaching staff is more likely to notice, but I definitely noticed the second part that, Montgomery said, which was he was aggressive driving to the net and he was using his speed to to push defenders back. Um, Lysel has, I think, always done that. Like, he's always been aggressive. He'll go to dirty areas and sometimes, you know, not like sometimes to his own detriment where he'll get hammered and yeah. kind of put himself in harm's way, um, which is, you know, something he'll, he'll, as he plays more pro hockey, you know, he'll know when when to go and when not to, and you know, when it's not maybe not worth driving into, you know, two 215 pound defensemen. Um, but yeah, but it, it was good to see, like he's, at least he's not playing on the outside. You see that with so many young skill players where like they're afraid to try stuff. So. And especially know, after a concussion, recent concussion. Yeah, true. Yeah. And, and by the way, like another, just overall takeaway from this practice, both practices, it was physical. Like there, nothing dirty, but like there was hitting, you know, there were, there was guys getting knocked down. And I asked Montgomery about that as well afterwards. And he said like, yeah, we want that because one of the things he highlighted that they want more of this season, he said it yesterday, he said it today is they want to be more physical. They, you know, that doesn't have to be necessarily like a ton of big hits but he wants them to be a more physical team at both ends of the ice he wants them winning more net front battles so you know you like the first session um jackson edward finished a good hit on martian behind the net where martian kind of had the puck on the boards and tried to sort of tried to like cut back and and open himself up a little and jackson edward to his credit didn't fall for the fake and finished the hit which is like, Queen? you know, you want you want to talk about a kid making an impression. I mean, you're, you're hitting the new captain like 15 minutes into practice one. Um, you but you could tell, like, head, right? It was not like a. No, it was it was totally okay. clean. It was it was a good <laughs> hit. Um, and then Marshan got up, kind of like gave him a shove. And then McAvoy had the puck, and Marshan like kind of cross-checked McAvoy, to be completely honest, but knocked McAvoy over. And McAvoy was slow to get up, but he was fine. But it's like, that sort of set the tone. The second session, Alex Chieson was probably the most physical player on the ice between the two sessions. Uh, He landed a hard hit on Mason Lorai, which was sort of, you know, one of those, yeah, you know, welcome welcome to pro hockey kid type moments. Like, Lorai had the puck on the boards, and I think, I don't know if he thought Chieson was going to, pull up or like not finish the hit, but Chason just drove right through him. Um Chason also got in a scrap with Mark McLaughlin who knocked Chason over and then Chason came right back at him. And that that was the one time I thought like, ooh, I wonder like I wonder if this is gonna actually turn into something. But they both like finished this the shift and and were fine. But um well, Montgomery, someone asked him about like what's do you remember your first day of training camp as like as a rookie like back when Montgomery was first coming into the NHL he said yeah there was a lot more fights back then in camp and so we didn't see any today but 
Yeah, but it, it's clear that like there's there's a tone being set though. Like they, you know, because like I, I honestly like when I asked the question, I almost sort of tiptoed around of like, you know, do you like seeing that as long as it doesn't cross the line or whatever? And he was like, he was like, yeah, we want to see it. Like we we want that. We want to be a more physical team. We want these guys out there competing. Like like they're you know, some of them are fighting for jobs. So like they should they should act like it. I'll tell you right now, I don't want to watch Milan Lucci hit David Pasternak in training camp. <laughs> I don't want to see that. There, I will say there was one. So I think Connor Ryan tweeted the clip, but during like they do two on two drills at center ice, so it's you know a lot of open ice, and Pasternak drove to drove around the defender to the net and finished. And I couldn't catch who the defender was, but I was like, if that was a game against an opponent, they're probably like drilling Pasenak into the post as he cuts across. But they, in this case, he just let Pasenak go. So there was a, a little bit, a little bit of pulling up at times guys not finishing, but um, now for the most part though, you know, guys, guys are throwing their bodies around. Yeah. And when you, when you think about the way you need to construct an NHL team, when you know, you know, you don't necessarily have the, amount of skill you had on your team last year one way to try to counter it or at least a classic way in the past that teams have tried to counter it is to be more physical so when you think about that 2011 cup winning team that was a more physical team than vancouver and eventually that ended up being a deciding factor um in why the bruins won the cup that year the sedines had so much skill that that team had a, a lot of skill but they were a little bit more shy to hit back uh vancouver was so uh you bring back lucci and you bring back uh you know someone who was on that cup winning team but and somebody who is one of the most physical players in the nhl and that's why fans like him and when he was first brought back that pre-agency day that the bruins went out and signed so many different people his name stuck out because boston fans already knew who he was and there's already so many Lucci jerseys out there walking around the street before he, you know, from years ago when, when he uh, was on the team, but uh, he's more than just a fan favorite. They are actually using him in that new philosophy of just being a more physical team than last year. Yeah, definitely. And, and so I guess, you know, before wrapping up um, on Lucci and, and kind of along the same lines of like how they lined up, it was interesting to see Lucic on a line with Johnny Beecher and Jacob Lauko. Um, that was in the second session. And another line during that session was, I mentioned Chieson. He was with Patrick Brown and AJ Greer. And it's like all six of those players are guys probably battling for fourth line jobs. There might be a third line spot for someone out of that group. But realistically, it's like either one of those lines could be their fourth line some combination out of those six guys could be the fourth line, mm-hmm. but you know, put two faster players with Lucic, Beecher and Lauko, like those, those two can fly. So that's, you know, it, it both, I, I think probably maybe pushes Lucic a little bit like, all right, you know, here's two kids who are going to be flying around. And then the other line, like that's just three, I think bigger physical players, Greer, Brown and Chieson. And, you know, Brown was signed with the idea that he's going to be the fourth line center. Johnny Beecher, if he's going to make the team, that's 
you know, that's a spot to target. And we talked to Beecher after practice Mm -hmm. and he was asked that he was like, you know, are you targeting fourth line center? And he said, yeah, you know, I think obviously play anywhere, but he was like, yeah, that's, you know, a spot I would be comfortable playing. And I think I could succeed there. Um, You know, Greer was on the team last year. His spot's not guaranteed. Same with Lauko. Like he had especially a really good second half, but he's got to fight for a spot again. So it's like all these guys, you know, you put them together. I'm sure Montgomery wants to see, you know, do different combinations have chemistry, but it's, it's also all right. Who kind of stands out from, from these two groups. Yeah. And so you might not know the, the answer to this, and this is something I'm going to be paying attention to during the preseason, but in terms of speed, Beecher, we know he's a good skater. Lauko, we've seen at the NHL level, his speed. What about Patra? Is he, if you were to compare his speed to those two guys? He's, he's not a, he's not a burner. Um, certainly not like, like those guys. He's not, he's not slow, but he's, um, yeah, I would just say like, he's not, he's not a super fast skater. Um, he creates space more with his smarts and, and just kind of thinking the game at a high level, especially when he was in juniors last year, like he's certainly smarter than, you know, a lot of the 17, 18 year olds he's facing. Um, you know, we'll see how much that translates at the pro level as he continues through camp and preseason here. But yeah, you know, I, I made the comparison before and it it's, it's a lofty comparison, but I'm, it's just like stylistically, like I see Krejci, you know, the, the, the way he sees the game, his patience, the way he'll slow things down. And then, yeah, not being like the world's most talented skater where he's blowing by guys. Like, I see similarities there. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. I think he's going to be the next David Krejci. Just, he, like, he has that ceiling. He could be. But, like, just stylistically, I, I, I see similarities there. And once again, you've talked to him in person. I have, haven't had a chance to. I wasn't able to go to rookie camp. Um, and I, I wasn't there yet today. Um, but uh, now that Red Sox season's winding down, I'll be able to more transition into the Bruins side of things. So um, I haven't gotten a chance to see him, like, stand next to him, ask him questions. His size, is his size something that might be a drawback or might, might be holding him back from quite being at the NHL level? Yeah, I mean he he is smaller. I think he's listed at what five ten, five eleven, maybe. But didn't and he seem kind of a skinny, skinny little guy? Yeah, he, yeah. he could definitely <laughs> he could definitely afford to still bulk up up more, for sure. But again, I think he's at least at the levels he's been at so far, he's smart enough to not really put himself in harm's way and like take heavy hits. Mm-hmm. Again, that's going to be that'll be something that's going to be fascinating to watch, especially as he gets out against opposing teams in the preseason is, you know, cause I think I remember like Fabian Lysel's first preseason game. Um, I remember him taking like a pretty heavy hit and he was fine. He bounced pop right back up, but it was sort of, you know, that kind of moment of like, yep, that just happens faster here. Like you didn't have the space you thought you did. And yeah. that'll probably happen with, with Potter at some point. Um, but yeah, like I don't think he doesn't need to be jacked because his style just isn't overly physical, but he could probably stand to put on a little more muscle. Yeah, and it, and we're 
well before these decisions are being made on who makes the roster and who doesn't on at least you know the we still have a full preseason to go until that but i if if there's a competition between Beecher, Brown, Patra for that fourth line center spot. I think that the coaching staff and management for the Bruins could probably talk themselves into sending Patra back to juniors to just get a little bit, you know, mature a little bit uh, physically uh, and not put him out there. I, I don't know. I could see that as like a determining factor if all other things were equal. Like, okay, well, maybe we'll send him back to to juniors and get them on a regimen to put a little bit more weight on and you know that kind of thing because you can't I mean you can't put you can put weight on overnight but you can't put it on overnight in muscle so it takes takes a while to bulk the right way with muscle and not you know and and not put yourself too far the other way (laughs) so yeah and and you know he's also just a different style player than those guys where like he almost might have to win the third line center job if he's going to make the team. S- same with someone like Georgie Merkulov. Like, it, we're used to we the Bruins. We about Jack Stanika as well back when he was trying to break in, and then the argument being that he's right. not like that fourth line is more meant as like a more of a physical line, more of a defensive style line. Yeah, and, like that's what it's always been for the you know under Cassidy and then last year under Montgomery as well is they've always used the fourth line that way doesn't mean they have to keep doing it like they could change but just based on what we know like what we've seen you wouldn't think Patra or Merkulov is the is the fourth line center you would think it's someone more like Patrick Brown who has played that kind of role in the NHL already or Johnny Beecher, who is a good two-way player and, you know, has played lower in the lineup before, right? He was he was a third-line center on a loaded Michigan team and mm-hmm. took on, like, a lot of the defensive assignments there. So he has experience doing that. Like, he seems like a better, a more natural fit there. Again, if, I don't know, you know, if, if Potra blows them away and they're like, you know what, we're okay with, playing him on the fourth line and it's not going to be a shutdown line and what, you know, will balance defensive responsibilities between the other three lines, like whatever. But like you put him, but like, think about it. You put him next to Lucci. Like, does that make sense? Does that seem like a good fit? Yeah. It it doesn't seem like the ideal spot for him to start Mm -hmm. honestly, but which is again, why I think more likely it's for, for a Potra or Merkulov, if they're going to make the team as centers, it's probably more Morgan Geeky they have to beat out for third line center than yeah. it is, you know, Patrick Brown or Johnny Beecher on the fourth line. Like that's I kind of see that fourth line center battle, at least as of now, being Brown versus Beecher. Um what about McLaughlin? Yeah, he I mean he's in there too. Like he so he he played wing today, and obviously at the NHL level, he's played almost exclusively wing when he's been in there. I think I think he might have to make the team as a wing, but he'll get a look at center during camp and preseason, I, I assume. Um, you know, he did play some center in Providence last year. So, sure, he's in the competition, but it, it sort of feels to me like 
he might have to make it as a wing and be be kind of like like a Trent Frederick where it's all right, you know, you're you're going to be a wing, but in a pinch we can move you over to center type thing. Um just for for whatever reason it doesn't really seem like he has as straight of a of a shot of making it as a center. Again, even just taking into account like where he was lined up today, day one of camp, he's playing he's playing right wing. Now it's on a line with Zaka and James Van Riemsdyk, which is you know a good spot to be. Um, but yeah, I guess that that'll definitely be something to monitor as as we go forward. Is you know it, does he get practices or or games as a center? I feel like depth is kind of built up around him as well, if you know yeah. what I mean. Like other wingers are developing definitely other centers are developing and you kind of feel like he's more on the outside looking in necessarily than he has been in training camps in the past and including he made his nhl debut when he first signed um with the bruins but he's gotten fewer and fewer opportunities after that so he really has to beat out a lot of people in order to make it say directly from preseason into boston i'm not talking about during the season but like if we're talking about out of uh, camp, out of preseason, starting with Boston, I feel like it's kind of an uphill battle for him. I, I, I think he's still very much right in the mix. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's on the outside looking in or anything. And I, and I actually thought him li- being lined up where he was today, like with NHLers, I feel like was an encouraging sign because there is, like in both sessions, there was still the, like the fifth line was all prospects and AHL guys. And like, that's where like an Oscar Steen and a Justin Brazo and Luke Toporowski, Curtis Hall, um, Trevor. Hey, Kunta, my, guy, my guy, Curtis Hall from Yale. Yep. I and broadcast his last John, season there. John Farinacci was in that group. And like, I always look at that group and I'm like, Oh, those are the guys they don't expect to really make a push. That said, you know who started in that group last year and made the team was Jacob Loco. So it's not impossible. Like if, if you impress, you impress no matter where you're doing it from. But I did kind of feel like McLaughlin being in the group with the NHLers and not just in like that extra fifth line group, at least tells me like they, they consider him in the mix. Like he's, he's on their radar to start. He doesn't have to, you know, they're going to be looking at him no matter what. Like, he doesn't have to, you know, come out of left field out of nowhere to to get on people's radar. No, no, that's not what I meant. I just mean, yeah. like, when you look at who they brought in as free agents um, that have NHL experience, when you look at the amount of people that are vying for bottom six roles, there's a lot more players than can make the team that are in the mix for that. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center 
Twitter anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.